All right, so we are continuing with our series in Acts this morning. And um, Paul spoke to us last week uh, about, um, I can remember this, he talked about Stephen, the man, the message, and the martyr. Now, it is very rare for me to remember the three points in a preach, so it shows how amazing it was. So please, if you didn't hear it, go online, okay? And um, you can hear it there. All right, but this week, we have continuation in the story. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is right. <laughs> Good. All. And that's not clicking. No, it's not clicking. Can somebody click it for me? Can somebody click it? I'm going to just read the passage anyway. It will come up. All right. So the passage today is eight, Acts 8, verse 1 to 4. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers, who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I'm going to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you've been speaking to us this morning. I thank you for the way that you've been moving amongst us. And we just invite you to continue, continue our work, your work, Lord. I pray that you would help us to hear your voice. Today, I pray that you would reveal more of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help me to bless this church that I love so much. But Lord, most of all, I pray that I'll bless you. Lord, you are the one. You are the one that we love. We want to bless you. I want to bless you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I don't know if you have ever ended up in a place that maybe isn't as comfortable as you'd hoped it would be. Maybe you hadn't planned it that well, and it wasn't kind of as comfortable, as great as you'd expected. I've got a story. Dan and I went away on a, it's on, actually on a honeymoon. Not that that wasn't as great as I expected, but <laughs> I kind of visit. I've got to be careful. Visit the story. The honeymoon was amazing, but we had booked like two hotels, two really fancy hotels, and um, we'd stayed in those two hotels. And then we thought after the two posh ones, we kind of didn't have so much money left to be posh all the time. So then we decided to go for some cheap ones and just kind of see what we found as you know we made our way around. And so we were in Morocco and we got in our car and we started to think we need to go to another hotel for the night and so we looked in our guidebook I think it was Lonely Planet and it described this hotel that was en route as I think it said it had a certain charm and we were like wow it has a certain charm and it's so cheap this is the hotel for us and so we we made our way to the hotel of certain charm never ever go to a hotel that describes that as Um, so we went to the hotel of certain charm and we drew up and there was a swimming pool like the book had said a swimming pool with no water in it. And we thought, never mind, we don't need any water, we don't need the swimming pool. Actually, there wasn't just no water in the swimming pool, there was barely any water in the hotel. There was definitely no hot water, there was a dribble of cold water. So we thought, never mind, no, no water in the swimming pool, no water, it'll be fine. So we get the guy to show us a room, and we literally walked along a corridor like this. You can have this room, you can have this room, you can have this room, you can have this room. Pick a room, any room. Not only was there no water in the pool, no water to drink, there was no people either. 
But we thought, never mind. We'll go and get something to eat. Now, I know what you're thinking. There's going to be no food. There was food. The food was delicious. But I'm really surprised that there was anything left to drink because the waiters... <laughs> they had, let's put it nicely, they'd been on the sherry. They were all over the place. They were banging and crashing and falling over. And, uh, you know, they were just all really drunk. And um, actually, I mean, we did have a really nice dinner. We had the chicken tagine, which took an hour and a half to come. I think they maybe killed the chicken. It was very fresh. And then we, next day, we just kind of got up really early and stayed in an ibis because at least we knew we were going to get electricity and hot water. Um, so it wasn't quite as comfortable as we thought it was going to be. And uh, these verses actually tell of a church that ended up scattered to places that weren't as comfortable as maybe they would have liked it wasn't always um, in a comfortable place. The story tells of a church that through persecution experienced great suffering. Great suffering, though, that didn't crush it. It's a story of a church that, in spite of the pain of suffering, was still able to fix its eyes on its rescuing saviour. These verses tell of a church that was scattered and experienced all the discomfort and lack of control that scattering can bring. But in spite of all of that, they were still able to share the good news wherever they went. So my question for us today is, do we want to be a church like that? I'm asking, do we want to be a church like that? Yeah? Do we want to be a church that fixes our eyes on Jesus even when we're suffering? Yeah? Do we want to be a church that even when we find ourselves in really uncomfortable places, we still share the good news of Jesus wherever we go? We do, don't we? Which is good news because we are not so dissimilar to this church. Although very few of us will have experienced persecution, most of us will experience some form of suffering. Many of us find ourselves scattered to unexpected places, uncomfortable places, both individually and corporately. And the challenge for us like them is to keep clinging on to Jesus because he, when we are weak, he is strong, and from whatever place or season we find ourselves in, we can share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Now, just two things quickly before I get on with my points. Firstly, I'm not going to talk loads about Saul today, partly because there's lots about him later on, so I'm going to leave him for the other preachers to talk about. And secondly, I'm not going to talk loads about persecution, but I will talk about suffering. I'm not going to talk about loads about persecution because I think although we experience some low-level persecution in this country, it's not the kind of persecution that the church we're talking about was suffering. However, I do think that it's important for us as a church to pray for the persecuted church worldwide. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying the church is not persecuted. Worldwide it is. Um, if you'd like to pray for the persecuted church, then please um, have a look at this website here. There's loads of information, loads of actually prayer plans that you can follow praying for a different church um, across the world each day. So, three points today. Suffering for a season, scattered for a reason, never alone, finally home. We're going to acknowledge that actually we face suffering too, um, but in that suffering... There is purpose. And one day, thank goodness, it will all be over and we will see him. Okay. Suffering for a season. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. There was suffering in the early church. 
Okay, Saul was going everywhere. He was going from house to house, pulling out Christians. He wouldn't have been alone, apparently. He would have hired like a, a group of young people to kind of join in the fun, like pulling out the Christians and chucking them into prison. Okay, I want you to imagine what the church was feeling. There would have been fear. There would have been shock. And on top of all this, there would have been grief, which leads me on just to say a few words about Stephen. I know Paul spoke about quite a lot about him last week. And when Paul talked about him, we could see really the kind of man he was, his giftings. I'm just going to say a few words that will remind us of um, how loved he was. So last week we heard about his giftings, the kind of man he was. This week we will see how much the church loved him. Because in verse 2 it says, Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. They took a great risk in doing this. If you think about it, this guy has just been um, killed. Loads of people were really angry with him. And then the church come out and they associate very clearly with him. Okay, so they risk their safety. That is how much they loved him. Now, I don't really want to get all morbid, but I do want to make a point about how much the church was suffering grief, okay? So I thought, to help us empathise a bit, it might be good to try and identify a kind of modern-day Stephen within City Hope. So we're going to play a game of Guess Who? Does anybody remember Guess Who? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, so Guess Who is the game where you basically have two people, two boards, and they have to guess who the other person's little card is. You can see the little card at the front, and you ask a series of questions, knocking people down, and uh, then you guess the person. Now, I'd like everybody, unless you are a visitor or unable, then please, I'd like you to stand up. I am not going to come and knock people down. (laughs) Paul Ferret, stand up. You're able to. Okay. I'm not, no, I'm not. But play along with me, please. There is a, there is a, there is a point to this. <laughs> okay, now, Stephen, it says, I'm going to just do descriptions of Stephen who are actually from the Bible, I'm not making them up. Stephen was bold in sharing the gospel. If you think you are bold in sharing the gospel, don't be modest, I'd like you to stay standing. Okay, this is not a test, it's not, we're not making notes. So there's a lot of us that are bold in sharing the gospel, that's brilliant. Okay, there's no shame I'm going to move quickly on to the next point. Stephen was well respected. If you think you're fairly well respected in the church, and again, actually, this is going to go horribly wrong, isn't it? I'm not looking, Chris isn't looking. In fact, actually, all the elders, if you could just close your eyes, that would be really good. Um, okay, uh, where are we? Oh, dear. Stephen was full of faith. Yeah, still a few people standing. Look at these guys. Okay. Stephen, this should knock some people down. Stephen was in charge of giving out food to the people, giving out food in the church, to the people that needed it most on a regular basis. Usually did it on a Wednesday afternoon. Okay, I'm going to know it. Don't even... Stephen had a northern accent. Actually, I don't know, obviously, I don't know if Stephen had a northern accent, I have to say. I don't know, I don't know, but I did Google it. I did. Where did Stephen come from? Did he have a northern accent? I couldn't find anything. Okay, it's funny, yeah, it's funny that, um, you know, Francis Chan and Tim Keller didn't preach on that. Okay, so it was our very own scene that you can sit down. We have Okay. The reason I play the game is not just for our entertainment. It's because it shows that actually it wasn't some really unpopular member of the church that died, you know, or somebody that nobody really knew, or somebody, you know, really didn't care about. It was somebody like Sue Ferrick. Can you imagine? Somebody that gives out all the time, someone that is so, so good to have amongst us, 
They loved him, and now they were grieving his death. So among all the other stuff that gone on, there was serious grief for them. We too experience suffering. You know what? Although few of us um, suffer persecution for our faith, like the early church, all of us will experience suffering in some shape or form. And we, like the early church, will find ourselves in situations we can't control. But we can be comforted by knowing that actually he has a plan. Just like he had a plan for the early church in their circumstances, he has a plan for us, even when we can't see or understand it. Suffering for a season. God has a plan. Just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus had said this to the believers. Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what was happening is what Jesus had said would happen. The church might have awakened to her calling eventually without suffering, but there's no denying that actually God did use it for mission. Our amazing God can use our persecution and our suffering to guide us into his world, just like he did with the early church. The suffering, um, the early church, the suffering that the early church experienced really did accomplish a lot of stuff. Okay, the Apostle Paul in one Corinthians four verse eight says this: "We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair." We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. In verse 13 he goes on to say, But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith as the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And the question for us today is, are we going to let the sufferings that we experience accomplish something for him? Like the early church did, like Jesus did. Are we going to respond to our sufferings in such a way that the world around us will see who he is? Where will our sufferings take us? Will they draw us closer to him? Like the early church, we have a choice about how we respond to sufferings. We can lose faith, we can shrink back, we can stay stay quiet, or we can fix our eyes on our saviour and we can say like Paul, I believe in him so I will speak out. Because I believe in him, I will speak. I have not been abandoned by him. Yeah, so we have that choice. Because you know what, the apostles, they were scattered. Scattered for a reason. Not for no reason at all, not just for the sake of it, not for a twist in the story. They were scattered for a reason. They were scattered for purpose and not for comfort. All the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, the uncomfortable and the unplanned. Again, I want you to imagine how they felt. They would have ended up suddenly in different places, places that they weren't familiar with. I myself, I moved a few years ago. I know there's lots of people in the church that have moved recently. And we plan it, don't we? We try and get it so it's as comfortable for us, as comfortable for our children, as in the time frame that we want, you know, We try and plan it well, but actually, they weren't able to do that. It would have been stressful. They would have left homes. They would have left stuff. They would have left families, friends, and possessions. They were scattered. It would have been really, really uncomfortable. Like the believers, you may find yourself in a place that's not very comfortable today. Maybe uh, you're in a job 
that you don't like. Maybe you're not in a season of life you're expected to be. Maybe you're expected to be married and you're not or have kids. Maybe you're expected to be in a lovely four-bedroom house with a garden and a Southwark Council stuck you right at the top of a tower block with a lift that doesn't work. Maybe you are surrounded by people who have loads of money and you think, I'm just skint, I don't have any, I can't do those things. We all find ourselves in uncomfortable places. I don't know where you're uncomfortable or scattered places today, but I do know that it's often when we are at a loss, when we don't know what to do, when we are weak, that God gets the glory that he deserves. When we are weak, he is strong. Amen? Amen. You could say, I don't want to bang on about this, but you could say that City Hope has experienced some discomfort over the last year. Okay, it hasn't been a very comfortable season for a lot of us. If you told some of us you know, a year ago that the nuns and the Wilsons wouldn't be with us any longer, that Chris would be lead elder, we wouldn't have believed you. you think, hang on, God, this isn't comfortable. We didn't see this coming. How's this happening? I'm not very comfortable, to be honest, up here talking to you. I know it probably looks like I'm having a good time playing Guess Who and cracking the jokes, but actually I get really, really scared. Dan will tell you, I've been so moody for like weeks. I just find it difficult. I, I, I'm really, really nervous. I'm joking, but I am. I mean, it's because my memory is not very good. And so I find it really scary that I'm going to like forget stuff all the time. So I don't know if any of you noticed, even like, I think it was a few weeks ago, I had to get up and give a notice about the... Um, See, I can't even remember the name of it, and I'm overseeing it. The Gospel Community Outreach. I want to call it Gospel Community Fund. The Gospel Outreach Fund that I'm overseeing, the name I don't remember. And I had to give a name. Uh, I had to give a notice about that a few weeks ago. And um, even for my notice, I had about three pages of notes. Because I just don't remember. I'm so scared that I'm going to forget stuff. I mean, look, loads of it. Um, so I haven't got a good memory. I don't find it that comfortable, preaching. However... The really, really amazing thing about it, the thing that I love, is that it draws me to him. It draws me to him. It makes me rely on him because I don't know what to say of a chatterbox, but in terms of saying something that makes sense, I don't know what to say. I need him. I need him to come and speak to me. I need him to come and give me the courage to stand up. I need him. And that is what's good. That is what's good about being in uncomfortable places. It forces us to look at Jesus. It forces us to say, we can't do it. We need you. And we draw close. Uncomfortable places draw us to him. Spending time with him. Urgency to hear his voice. The early church were scattered for a reason. They were scattered for intimacy, not independence. Okay? Intimacy with him, not, oh, we can just do everything by themselves, by ourselves. The early church had to rely on him, and they drew close. Being uncomfortable forces us to rely on him. When you find yourself alone, maybe stripped of comfort, money, health, a job you love, think of who you have been left alone with. Is there anybody more able to heal you and restore you than him? Is there able, anyone able to understand your pain more than Jesus does? You may not have been left or feel you've not been left for very much in this season. But if you can turn to and rely on the one you have been left with, you are rich indeed. You are rich indeed. It's about doing every journey with him. And that's what the early church did. They journeyed with him. A quick story. 
Oh yeah, we'll be quick. <laughs> a quick story. When we we got three kids, and um, when we you know started to have the kids, I was like a lot of mums, really quite nervous about the labour, and so I prayed a lot. It was really good. It really drew me close to him. So I prayed and prayed, and I prayed very specifically. I prayed that I'd labour in the day. I thought that'd be less tiring. I prayed that I'd get the nice pool at St Thomas's Hospital. I prayed for a midwife. I knew really specific. And guess what? First baby. Tick 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 tick. tick. It was amazing. So much answered prayer. God just did everything. Um, second baby pretty good still to be honest it was really straightforward the third baby (laughs) I felt God say no God did say I felt God say I'm going to teach you something new with this one do you know what I thought? I just read this book about, um, I've told you this, about supernatural childbirth. And it talks about how you can have babies, or some Christians have babies, and they just pray and pray and pray. It doesn't hurt at all. And I was like, this is the one. He's going to teach me. He's going to teach me that he does miracles, and it's going to be amazing. And because the kind of person I am, I imagined myself in a school playground, just telling all the mums. And the mums, like, falling to their knees. What was I do to be safe? It was going to be absolutely glorious. Did he do that? Nah. So what did I learn about him? Did I learn that he doesn't really answer many prayers? <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't learn that. I learned that the most important thing is his presence. Okay? It's not necessarily every prayer answered, but it's having us with him, having him with us. Because actually, you know, in that hospital bed, you know, I, I ended up with an emergency C-section. I forgot to say what happened. Emergency C-section, um, four days in high dependency, and I lost twice as much blood as I was supposed to. And in all of that, I just felt his presence with me. You know, I was in high dependency, and, you know, I could hear his voice. I was up in the night. He was with me. He spoke to me during that time. It wasn't the tick, tick, tick that I'd wanted. Oh, but it was amazing in many, many other ways. The most important thing is doing every journey with him, and the early church did that. If we journey with him, if we live in expectation of his voice and his power, do you know what? We can live anywhere. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable the place is, how difficult the job is, or how unexpected the season is. Anywhere with him is good. And that's what they did. The uncomfortable and the unplanned, he knows all about it. Your circumstances so unexpected to you are in no way a surprise to him. He can do wonders amongst all our pain and confusion. Just because we didn't plan it doesn't mean that there's no purpose in it. They were scattered. They were scattered for a reason, scattered for a purpose, not for comfort, scattered for intimacy, not independence. Yeah, it's fitting. They were scattered. They were scattered for a reason. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They were scattered. They weren't choosing to move because... I don't know, because the schools were better in another area or they'd watched too many episodes of Country File and they wanted to move out to somewhere really pretty and leafy. They were scattered. Um, And the reason was that the amazing news of Jesus would be spread. You know, the word scattered. In the Greek... I always wanted to say that in the Greek. <laughs> in the Greek, I always reading that, yeah. In the Greek, two types of words for scattered. Um, one, I have to read it off here because I really, yeah, I don't know. One is in the sense of making something disappear. The other one for scattered, and the one that's used here, is used in the sense of planting or scattering seeds. Isn't that beautiful? 
especially when you think of, you know, Jesus and the sower, other images that go across the Bible, doesn't that reveal something of the plan of God, how he sees things that we don't? It says that they preach the good news. Okay, so this is the last time I'm going to say it in the Greek, but I'm going to say it one more time. It's going to sound like I read everything in the ancient Greek, when actually I mostly read like the gruffalo going on a bear hunt and a squash and a squeeze. But anyway, this makes a nice change for me, reading in the Greek. Um, The words preach the gospel are not the most accurate translation. Shared the good news is, which I love. Because it makes it much, much more doable. Preach the good news is hard. You think, oh my goodness, I've got to get up and and preach. Share the good news. It's much, much better for us, isn't it? It's much easier. We can all share the good news. In verse 1, it says that all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered. We can share the good news because of who he is, not because of how amazing we are. There are different ideas about why the apostles stayed. Um, some say that it's because they were being faithful to like the first commission, so they were like staying in the city. Others say, now I find this a bit hard to understand, but other clever people, is Peter Wood here today? No, he's not. Peter Wood was here a few weeks and he explained stuff like this. Um, but people argue that it was mostly down to language and that the believers that were scattered were mostly Greek-speaking, where that those that stayed were more traditional Hebrew and Aramaic-speaking. <coughs> But you know what? Selfishly, I don't really care what happened to the apostles. I want to know what happened to the believers because I am just a regular believer. Okay, so I want to know what happened to the normal people, people like you and me. Not, the, you know, not so much the Billy Graham, the preachers, the people like us. Because if you think sharing the good news is just for the leaders, oh, Paul, it's his job, or Chris, it's his job, you know, it's not like that. It was the believers that were scattered. It was the believers that were going off and sharing the good news. The believers that went off that were scattered, a lot of them were quite young. Okay, a lot of them were quite young, and they were quite young to the faith. And it's really important if young people hear that we don't, dis- not we, because I'm not, <laughs> that, you, that you don't disqualify yourself from sharing the good news. You know, when I was um, at Catalyst a few weeks ago, I was standing behind some young people, not like young, young, not like youth, but definitely quite a lot younger than me. And they were all so full of energy being young. You know, they had the hands in the air, a child on one hip. And, uh, you know, they were just, they stood up through the whole worship. And there's me with my flask (laughs) sitting down every, every couple of minutes. They were young. They were full of energy. And I felt God say to me, there's a row of royalty right in front of you. They are heirs to the throne. Just because you are young today... Don't disqualify yourself. The believers that were scattered were young. If you are young, you can share the good news of Jesus wherever you go. I found myself thinking, how did the believers become so radical so earlier on? Because actually, they didn't have some of the stuff that we have. They didn't have catalysts. They didn't have no Desiring God Facebook feeds. They didn't have lots of stuff to listen to online. No Francis Chan, no Tim Keller. The conclusion I came to was this. They knew that the good news was about him and not them. They knew that it was Jesus that had overcome, not that they'd overcome. It was about him. They weren't concerned so much by themselves. They were just following him. And the last thing, and most important, was they were just full of the Holy Spirit. It's not rocket science. They were full of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The Holy Spirit had changed them. He'd revealed Jesus to them. The Holy Spirit, the helper, was helping them. It's brilliant. Very, very simple. 
And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit today, we have enough. We have enough for the place of suffering. We have enough for the uncomfortable place. And we have enough to share the good news from and into these places. Amen? Amen. They only had what we had. Nothing more. Okay, he is enough for us. We can share the good news because of who he is, not who we are. In a practical sense, I've often been quite out of my depth. You know, um, Chris referred to it earlier on, and, you know, I've said to it with my memory and stuff. And I often feel quite unqualified to do the stuff, some of the stuff that I do, even in terms of work, to be honest. I've had jobs that I haven't really had the paper qualifications for. Um, so I just wanted to give a couple of examples. I'm not going to give you my whole life story, but a few examples from my life where I've just felt like I don't really know what to do, um, but I've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. So we'll just run through a couple. Um, at 18, I'm a country girl, so I was in Norfolk, and I moved from Norfolk to London, and I moved in with um, Hilda and Davina. Is Hilda here today? No. Oh, there she is. Let's give us away, Hilda. Yes, I moved in with Hilda and Davina. So I'm a country girl from Norfolk. I moved in, and um, Davina said to me, Davina's Hilda's daughter, she said, Claire, when you get off the bus at night, do not get your A to Z out. Cross your arms and walk straight for home. Here I was, you know, in the middle of Peckham. I'm just like, oh, I just look at my A to Z at 12.30. Oh, I don't know where to go. She said, just, just do that. And do you know what? I felt a little bit out of my depth. I often thought to myself, I don't know what to do. I'd come to London because I actually I wanted to like reach out to some homeless people. I never even spoke to a homeless person before, so you know, I was out of my depth. I often thought I don't know what to do, but I had the Holy Spirit. And so I just asked for his help to love people and tried to share the good news wherever there was an opportunity. It's very simple. About a year on, I just started to feel really comfortable in London, become a real regular at Manzies. Um, really started, I'd moved from gravy to liquor with my pie and mash. I was pie turning, you know, making a whole bit of vinegar in. I was really settled. I'd lost my A to Z, okay? So I was very settled here. And God told me, I want you to go to China. I was like, oh. I wasn't like, who an adventure? I was like, oh, I don't want to. I just like it here. I just want to walk next to the Tower Bridge with you, God. I don't want to go. Paul and Denise had just turned up, and I thought, oh, they look fun. Actually, I just want to stay here with them. <laughs> but he said, go to China. In fact, Paul was telling me to stay here. Nutty. <laughs> I almost stayed because of Paul. I would have been disobedient. Um, yeah, so um, I was... But you know what? I went to China. I came back. I came back. I didn't stay that long. Um, I came... Uh, I don't know where I am. Okay, it's a long story anyway. I went to teach English there. And um, I'm not a qualified teacher. I didn't really speak any Mandarin. Um, but I thought God told me to go, so I went. Um, I was really out of my depth. I often thought to myself, I don't know what to do. And um, in all my confusion and discomfort, did hundreds come to know Jesus? No. One. One, one art teacher, Sun Dong Wen. But do you know what? Salvation is God's job and not mine. So I just was full of the Holy Spirit. I just scattered seeds wherever I went. And that's what we do, isn't it? Okay. I came back. I thought God wanted me to come back and um, live on the Aylesbury estate. Anybody here from the Aylesbury? Used to be cows. Well done, Sharon. Uh, we've got one used to be Aylesbury. So I thought God said, come to live on the Aylesbury. It's a really massive estate. It's the one in the Channel 4 ads, okay? Um, so I, I, I basically felt God tell me, yeah, to go live on the Aylesbury. I went to tell the council this. I didn't tell them a bit about God said. Otherwise, I might have found myself in the Maudsley rather than in the Aylesbury, a nice comfy room all by myself. But um, no, I, I told them that I wanted a flat there, a flat on the Aylesbury, not God said. I wasn't that bold. Um, so I went to tell them. 
And um, by miraculous series of events, they did look a little bit surprised, I have to say, when I said, please go have a flat on the Asbury. But um, <laughs> what happened? Yeah, so miraculous series of events. I managed to get a flat very quickly. It was amazing. But that's a completely another story. Um, and anyway, when I went to pick up my keys, they gave me my keys, obviously. They gave me a smoke alarm and a rape alarm. I was like, welcome to the Aylesbury. Um, and I just thought, oh, dude, do you know what? I felt a little bit out of my depth again. And I thought, what did I think? I thought, I don't know what to do. Um, that's right. But, you know, we set up Kids Club. We had an amazing time just, like, um, scattering seeds like Chris referred to. And it was, you know, we had loads and loads of people. There's lots of people in the flat all the time. It's great. And I just scattered seeds full of the Holy Spirit. I was very unqualified. I'm from the countryside. And I ended up on the Aylesbury. Um, this is the last one, I promise. I don't want it to make it sound like I'm just like Ellsbury, China, so I'm just going back to my life now. Eight years ago, as I've mentioned, we had our first baby. I started going to mums and toddlers groups. Oh, hours about talking about whether the baby will eat butternut squash or sweet potato. I really didn't know what to do. I felt more out of my depth than ever before. But again, I just did what, what we can do. We just have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and share the good news and tell our friends about Jesus. It's not rocket science, it's really simple. I often don't know what to do, but I do know that the Spirit lives in me. Like the early church, we don't have to know everything. We just have to be, we don't have to be the best and most qualified at everything. We just have to share the good news. We just have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to preach a whole sermon. We just have to scatter a few seeds. Amen? Amen. Not difficult. As a church, we can respond to uncomfortable seasons in our lives, but also some of the stuff that's happened over the last year in different ways. We could look inwards. We could try and spend years trying to work out what happened. We could risk less. We could lose faith. We could get safer and safer. But church, are we going to do that? No. No. We are going to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Because actually this community does not need a safe church that only talks about Jesus when things are going well for it, does it? Okay. What does that say about our king? It needs a church that fixes our eyes on our rescuing saviour and shares the good news wherever we go, whatever season we're living in. Okay, I'm going to run out of time, so I need to press on. Oh, my, it's finished. Go back. Uh, go back. <laughs> you thought you were going to get to go. <laughs> Never alone, finally home. In Corinthians 2, chapter 4, Paul writes, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever, sorry. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. One day we won't be a scattered people. We will be together, and we will be together with him in the place that he promised us. We will be, and some of us we might feel like we're going to actually fall completely exhausted into his arms, but who cares? We will see our saviour. We will be with him. We won't be in uncomfortable, suffering places anymore. We will be with Jesus. Are you looking forward to that day? I just can't wait, and I probably will lose my point at this point, but it's just going to be amazing. No longer a scattered people. And do you know what? I finished with this, because I know it's not in my bit of text but I finish with this because it would have been in the hearts of the suffering church too and it should be in ours they would have thought um, about it one day many of us who clung to him in suffering in places of uncertainty and insecurity where we choose to take comfort in him not in the comforts of the world we will receive our well done 
It's good to remind ourselves of what we've got to come, that this place is not our home. However much you have suffered here, however many times he has done the unexpected, if you cling to him, you are guaranteed a happy ending. And do you know what my hope and prayer for this church is? Is that amongst that great throng of believers that we're going to end up with, there will be people that we shared the good news with. People that we shared the good news from places of suffering, from uncomfortable places. There will be people there from our workplaces, from our jobs, from our schools. There will be people there from food bank and from life skills. People that we shared the good news with. People from Peckham, from Rotherhithe, from Bermondsey and beyond. We will be together with him. We will be together with them because we shared the good news of Jesus in every season. Okay. One very last thing. We've talked a lot about the good news, so I should say what it is. (laughs) If you are here today and you are not a believer, first of all, I'd like to say well done. You are very brave to come, and you are very, very welcome here. And secondly, we might seem a little bit crazy, but we're not quite as crazy as we appear. We are just a group of rescued people. Some of us, at some point, somebody will have shared the good news of Jesus with us. And we accepted it. We admitted that we needed help, that we needed rescuing. We needed rescuing by Jesus, the Son of God. He came down from the glory of heaven and lived the life of a man and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered death on a cross because he loved us so much so that we could know him, so that our sins could be forgiven. That friendship has brought suffering to some of us and led some of us to very, very uncomfortable places. But it has also for us a forgiveness and a love and a peace uh, and, a, and a, a peace that calms our fears and a love that doesn't give up on us. Usually at this point, the preacher um, says, uh, if you want to know more about Jesus, if you want to know more about Jesus, come and speak to Paul and Denise or come and speak to Chris. But do you know what? I'd say if you're here for the first time and you've got a friend that's brought you, I would say speak to them because they can share the good news of Jesus. They are full of the Holy Spirit. They can share the good news of Jesus as good as anybody. Yeah? And actually, maybe you just, if you don't know anybody, you can either find someone approachable, because actually everybody in this church that knows Jesus will have an amazing story of what he's done in their life. And if not, then you can. Obviously, it's not that like I don't want to speak to people. You can come and find myself or Paul and Denise. Okay, if you'd like to stand, we've got about four minutes left and we can pray. Um, did the band come up? really quickly I'm just going to pray really and um, because our time is up but the band are just going to play while I'm doing that Jesus Holy Spirit I just thank you Lord we thank you that you are enough for us you are enough Lord sometimes we try and complicate things and we look for something more but actually you are enough and you are all we need you know um, Paul spoke earlier didn't he about you know our church being a church there some of us where our volume feels quiet in different places but actually God is going to come and turn the volume up not because we've suddenly become more capable or better qualified or more eloquent in our speaking but because we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we know a Saviour who has rescued us and loved us and bestowed mercy and grace upon us. Father, that is my prayer this morning. 
I pray like Paul saying that you would come and turn our volume up. And no matter how small we feel our squeak is, however weak and how unqualified we are in our circumstances, that like the early church scattered in all that confusion, we will talk about you, scatter our seeds wherever we go. Fill us up with your spirit, Lord, that we can share the good news of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you. Just reach out your hands to him in the, in the couple of minutes we've got left and say, yes, Lord. Speak to him for yourself. If that is what you want this morning, if that is what you want this morning, if you want to have your volume turned up, not because you're some big thing, but because God is, then reach out to him and ask him. Reach out to him and ask him. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God.